Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Unlimited. Today, we are talking about red flags in online coaching. The last couple episodes I have done have been about the online business world and some of the BS in online business, as well as what it looks like to start a business and start a podcast as like a way of marketing your business and things like that, and what behind the scenes of that actually looks like. And as I was recording those episodes, at some point in there, I came across a post in a Facebook group for women who own businesses or starting businesses that asked, what are some annoying things that coaches say or things that coaches have told you that didn't resonate or didn't work for you or whatever? And as I was going through that list, I saw several patterns in them, as well as things that I have seen and that I have been impacted by. And I wanted to call them out because, you know, this is my industry. If you are wondering right off the bat, like, okay, well, but what is coaching? I did a whole episode on this. So go check that out because that's where I dig into what coaching is, what is life coaching, what does that look like? It's not a regulated term, unlike, say, therapist. Anyone can call themselves a coach. The idea with coaching is that you are helping someone get from where they are to where they want to go, but there's no rules behind what that looks like. There is an accrediting body, the International Coaching Federation, that has a code of conduct and core competencies and that sort of thing. But again, anyone can call themselves a coach. They don't have to be affiliated with that organization or trained by an organization affiliated with that organization. So there's just, there's a lot of noise out there and it's a lot to sift through, especially when you are looking for support. And right now is a time that We need support. We need to support each other. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns. The idea of setting goals, let alone achieving goals, can feel overwhelming. And so having support that's helping you discern and connect with yourself and what is loving for you and helps you create the impact in the world that you want to create is really important. And I truly believe that coaching can help that. But if you are running into people that are perpetuating patterns in society that are playing on some of those themes that I'm going to dig into in this episode, that's not going to be super helpful. So so I want to give you the awareness of some of these things to watch out for as you look for that support and and give yourself the space to find a good fit for yourself rather than getting pulled in cuz like I said I I have gotten pulled in by some of these when I first started my business and I went I'm so excited to do this work and support people I don't know how to run a business I need somebody to tell me the right way and I found somebody to tell me the right way or the way they thought was the right way and in retrospect it's cuz they were told that that was the right way and Anyway, perpetuating some of these problematic themes that we're going to talk about here. So those themes are the one-size-fits-all strategies, money mindset manipulation, making a misaligned strategy be about mindset, force weakening versus empowering, band-aids for change versus creating real change, and when you actually need a coach. So we're going to talk about all of that in this episode I would love to hear from you if I missed anything that you think should be included, if I covered something and you're like, oh, 
no, I don't, I don't really agree with that vow. Um, or if there's anything that you're like, yes, that. <laughs> I would love for you to DM me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm on all of those platforms. Or shoot me an email at Valerie at ValerieFriedlander.com. And now, without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. We're going to start with the one size fits all with business. And we did dig into this in the conversation that I had with Sam Munoz and Karen Page. But because I want to call out some of these things that people have said they've heard from coaches that were annoying or didn't fit, I want to share a few of these for those of you who do have online businesses or are working on building an online business or thinking about it or whatever, that you know some of these things that really aren't a one-size-fits-all thing. Anything related to websites. You don't need a website. You do need a website. Whatever website, it really depends on your business, your business model, where you're starting, what you're selling. It's, It's really based in you. Niche down also depends. Get on as many networking calls as you can. This can burn you out. As we talked about with Sam and Karen, if you tend more towards introvert, that can get exhausting. And I don't even think of myself generally as an introvert. I love talking with other people, but when I try and do too many networking calls in a given week, I get exhausted. There is a thing that we've become more aware of called Zoom fatigue. And so it matters if you have a plan versus just do as much as you possibly can and say yes to everything. That's generally not going to be a good plan. (laughs) You have to be doing video. Depends on whether you like doing video. Do you like doing video? Do video. You don't like doing video? There are other ways to engage. Webinars disguised as sales presentations. That's a whole thing. There's a whole strategy there. A lot of people are very familiar with that strategy now. So that may not work for you. If you don't like doing webinars, that may not be a great way to do things. I've done them. I don't love doing them. I do love workshops versus webinars. So I love helping people understand the information, and then having engagement around the information. I'm not really big on just telling people why they need what I have to offer. So there's a difference between that and then giving people value and then saying, and here's the next step if you want it. Totally different approach, different energy. You have to show up on all the social media to succeed, be on social as much as you can so that people can't forget you. Social selling, selling in your DMs. And then somebody else said, I hate it when people slide into my DMs like they want to be friends. And then they randomly send me a CTA, a call to action, even though I have shown no interest in what they have to offer. I personally often get ones where somebody reaches out with the CTA and I'm like, what made you think I wanted this other than the fact that I have coach in my title? (laughs) So that is not always the best way. Again, showing up everywhere all the time without any kind of plan 
is exhausting and you won't be able to assess what's working and what's not and come up with what works for you. And when I say what's working and what's not, we're not just talking about what is getting you results, but also what you enjoy. If you are building a business that is burning you out, it's not going to be sustainable any more than a business that's not making money is going to be sustainable. So noticing not just the strategy, but how you're experiencing the strategy and what works for you is really important. Jumping into people's private messaging just because you want to sell to them may feel a little eh, and it probably is picked up as a little eh. Real connections matter. And again, depending on how extroverted you are, how much energy you have to connect with people, you may want to find the strategy that fits you and what you have the energy for versus some blanket, this is the way you need to do it to be successful, right? Follow up with phone calls, follow up with email. Again, it really depends on what you're selling and what you enjoy doing, what feels good to you, and what your clients are interested in hearing. There may be people who are like, yes, please send me DMs when things happen because I will forget and I would love that kind of support so that when I'm ready, I know when it's happening. That is a thing that people are interested in. I've had people ask me to do that too. So I'm not a huge fan of spending all that time. So either I start a bot, which I haven't done, or I help them create a way of being accountable that works for them. <laughs> that isn't me being the one to send them reminders, right? So that really, you have to find what works both for the people that you want to serve and your business, but also for you. And there is no one size fits all to that because everybody is different. Another one that comes up a lot is one size fits all with time. I talk about this in the episode that I did on ideal days. Some of the things that people said is time blocking doesn't work while watching kids, waking up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. You have to be part of the 5 a.m. club to be successful. Early bird catches the worm. Successful people get up early. All of those are very blanket statements. And there is a mode of thought around this idea of when are you most productive Again, if it throws you off too much, if it doesn't fit what works for you, then that's not the thing to do. Also, if it's like totally turning everything of the way you tend to do things on its head, it's probably not going to work. It might work if you cultivate the space for it, but there's not a guarantee if that's just not your thing. But also if you try and push yourself into it and you have a lot of other places of resistance to that, that doesn't work so well. I know so many people are like, every time I try and get up earlier, my kids get up earlier too. Well, then that may not be the solution for you. So again, it's a one size fits all thing that's definitely a red flag. Anytime you hear somebody going, this is the way to do it. This is the only way. This is the right way. This is the best way. That is a flag that it's going to be restrictive to you finding a creative solution that fits for you. The next one is money mindset manipulation. This is the one that I fell into very much 
for myself as I built my business. And it's one that you hear a lot in the coaching space. So we definitely need to dig into this. One, charge your worth. You can't charge your worth. You are invaluable. There is no one that could pay what you are worth and what you have to offer. It's just, it's one of those like blanket statements that there's a there's a root in there that makes sense. Being women in particular tend to undercharge for their services, for their products. We have been trained not to value what we have to offer or not to value it in a monetary sense. And it feeds into all sorts of dynamics in our society of women getting underpaid for their work. So I believe that that's where that idea of saying charge your worth comes from, is acknowledging that you do have worth and what you are putting into the world, the work that you do, has value and is worth being paid for. But that's different than saying charge your worth. Because when you say charge your worth, that creates all sorts of questions. Like, How do I quantify that? How do I define that? Add that into the next one that oftentimes people will say of, if the price doesn't scare you, then you're not charging enough. And that can create a huge tailspin of, okay, well, and I even heard, I heard someone say this once of, pick a number that scares you and then double it. And that's what you should be charging. Um, no, because that is still charging based off of your emotions. That is allowing your emotions in the driver's seat of what you charge. Your emotions are great information about you. They are not great information all the time about how you want to interact with the world. There are real tangible things to do, such as research (laughs) and focus groups and ways of finding out What will people pay for what you have to offer? Who do you want to serve? What are they looking at being willing to pay? What is the appropriate price point? And as Alicia Galati commented in the episode on So Do You Want to Start a Podcast, oftentimes when you get started, you undercharge because you're learning, because you're growing, you're developing your business. You're building your confidence. You can't feel confident doing something that you haven't done before, but you can create self-confidence and know that what you have is worth paying for and that there are people who are interested in hiring you to do whatever it is or provide whatever it is. And then reaching out and building that relationship, building your testimonials, building your confidence in delivering on what you say you'll deliver. All of those factors go into your level of confidence in saying, here's what I have to offer and here's what it costs. If you have resistance to that for whatever reason, maybe it's because your stress response is flight, which is true for most people, honestly, flight or freeze response will create overwhelm. You will find blocks, not intentional blocks, but subconscious blocks that stop you from offering what you have to give, what you have to provide. And then you will train yourself that people won't buy from you, that you can't sell what you're offering, that you can't get paid for those things. And then that will 
impact your sense of self-worth because if you're thinking I'm trying to charge my worth and people aren't buying it, oh my gosh, (laughs) let's talk about some self-fulfilling prophecies here. They're rooted in that subconscious. Now, if you are someone who has a more fight response, like, okay, we're doing this. I said to do this. We're going to do this and we're going to make it happen and you're going to push through it, then that might work for you. But a lot of times when people are telling you this, it's either because that's the response that's worked for them, that's how they did what they're doing. Again, that's because I did it, it will work for you. That's not realistic. Or because they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to push themselves through. Another one that really gets under my skin, but I think has some important roots to it, is if someone has to talk to their spouse before buying, then your sales strategy sucks. Okay, so the roots that I believe this has are in women often having a difficult time doing anything that they think could be harmful to their family. So there's often resistance in taking money from their family. And is it feeding into something that will help their family? Yes, but it it doesn't matter. There's still that resistance because taking the money can feel like potential harm. What if this doesn't work? And this comes up a lot, especially if you've already been burned, if you've already made a what you might call a bad decision in your head about a choice that you've spent money on. And then there's even more resistance because, oh, well, that didn't work the way I thought it would. I wasted that money. And now I'm talking about taking more money. There can create some resistance to doing that. So I think that this is rooted in that idea that women are going to feel like they are taking from their family and may have a spouse that doesn't understand the support that they're looking to get. Maybe they have a spouse who's in a nine to five. Maybe they have a spouse that doesn't really value mental health support. Whatever it is, there can be resistance or playing into patterns that are the norm in that family and fear of the spouse doing something different that will block their willingness to say yes to an investment like that. So I think that's where this is coming from because that is a real thing. However, it's not a blanket statement. And if you're talking to somebody who shares financial resources, who cares about their spouse's opinion, who wants to give space to processing if this investment makes sense for them right now, fits in the family's budget, how to make the investment fit in the family's budget. There are lots of factors and dynamics. So making this assumption that that is the relationship that the person that you're talking to has with their spouse is really harmful. So anyone who is like pushing you to buy and not talk to your spouse or even pushing you and rushing you, I've talked about this before of like, You need space to make decisions. Big decisions deserve space. And an investment in something like a coach, which is an investment in yourself and or your business and or your family, all of those things deserve space for discernment. So if you're getting pushed into it, then that's not honoring the space that you need to make a decision. 
Some other ones that tie into this are if people truly value themselves, then they'll invest no matter what. And if they're not valuing themselves, then you have to convince them to value themselves. Like, so if you don't convince them to value themselves, then you're the one who didn't overcome the rejection and help them understand why they need it and all of that stuff. And so again, this is taking on the expert role. This is taking on being the expert of somebody else's life. So if you hear somebody saying these things, they're playing on these stories that we have in our society that to be an expert in something, you have to know better than someone else. And especially if you're trying to help someone with their life or something in their life, like their business, you have to know better. You have to be able to fix them. And that creates some force weakening of that person instead of shifting the money story, because there is money mindset stuff here, but instead of shifting that story, that person is playing on that story. They may even have that story themselves because it, you know, it takes one to know one, right? So while it can come from a place of actually wanting to support, it is not really helpful when you're talking about helping someone feel empowered. That is a disempowering story, both for the person using that story, as well as the person experiencing the play on that story. So either end is kind of, I would call it toxic, honestly. Yes, money mindset is a thing, but also money is a real resource. If someone is trying to manipulate your money mindset, playing on those stories, if you feel triggered, there's something going on there. If they're not helping you actually engage what's going on, but they're telling you what's going on, that's not going to help you. That's just playing on what's already there. Another one is if you're not willing to spend top dollar for coaching, then you'll never attract high paying clients. That is not accurate. You do not have to have as much money as the person that you help. If the person that you are serving with your product or your service is someone who has more money, it doesn't matter if you don't have that same amount of money. If they need it, they can buy it from you. It's not about who has more money. It's about what are you offering, how much are you charging, and are they able to pay for it? It's not about what level of financial space you are in. This is another way that people play on trying to get you to spend money that you don't have or that you don't feel comfortable spending. And that, again, throws you into stress response where it becomes harder to do things. This ties into, you know, some of the other things of like, well, you deserve it. Success only comes when you jump out of your comfort zone. This plays in with investing, but it's also about any kind of strategy. So when people say that a misaligned strategy or your ability to follow through on a strategy is about your mindset, that is passing off the responsibility of clarifying that the strategy actually fits. The strategy might not be aligned with you. It's not all mindset. Mindset is tied with action. So if you're not taking action, there's a piece that's missing. Maybe you're trying to go from zero to 10, and there are steps in between. 
that need to be clarified. I like to say when we're talking about creating a strategy, first you need the clarity around what you want to create. And I've talked about this many times before of knowing who do you want to be? What impact do you want to make in the world? How do you want to experience life? Having that clarity around your values and what you're about and then building a strategy from there and having it be in a space where you can assess how well is this strategy working for me? Is this serving those three things? If it's not, then the strategy isn't a good fit. So success only comes when you jump out of your comfort zone. Okay, stretching your comfort zone, but not breaking your comfort zone. It's kind of like, are you the kind of person who likes to dive into a cold pool? Like say you want to go swimming, you're just going to dive right in? Or are you someone who kind of likes to ease in? For me, it depends on the day and it depends on why I want to get in the pool in the first place or where I am. Or There's so many factors involved at what approach I want to take. So knowing yourself well enough to have that kind of clarity and discern the steps and then assess the steps and giving yourself space to assess the steps. Someone's like, well, you just didn't do it. Well, maybe. Did you do it? (laughs) Because it might just not be a good fit for you. You need to factor not just the success of did it provide results, but did I like doing the thing? Another thing that some people said are too much focus on mindset and not enough on strategy. Best mindset won't get you very far without a smart strategy that works. So that relates to what I just said. Sometimes it is the strategy, and sometimes it's the way you're thinking about what you're doing. Both of those interplay together. So having a process of assessment and developing clarity for your next step is key. So Yeah, if you don't have a strategy that's aligned, it's not going to work well for you. Just trying to mindset your way out of real things also isn't going to work for you. There's a holistic perspective that's needed. This ties into some of the just trust the process when they're saying trust my process versus trust your process. You have to do the work that I tell you to do. Go all in. Push through. You have to hustle your life away or you're not showing up. You can do hard things. Yes, you can do hard things. Does everything need to be hard? No, everything does not need to be hard. Sometimes people find it hard to do easy things because they've been told their entire life or good chunks of their life that it's supposed to be hard. So they actively block the easy things or don't see that there is an easy way because they think, Success comes from doing things hard or jumping out of your comfort zone. So all of that is to say, it really depends on what works for you and where you're coming from and what you're about, not about what someone else thinks is right and thinks will work or has worked for them. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. It's up to you to have that clarity to then make the decision to try something and see how it works and assess it. Related to that is force weakening with things like, let me coach you for just a moment. I'm going to put my coach's hat on. Okay, so I do say I put my coach's hat on. (laughs) 
<laughs> just to be clear. But all of these things are directives. These are, I'm going to do this to you. An empowering approach is about getting permission, asking what someone wants. Do they even want you to coach them? I even ask people who have hired me to coach them, especially when it's a situation where I haven't been told specifically that they want coaching. For example, I had a client reach out to me apologizing for missing a call. I noticed some patterns with previous conversations and So I asked her, I'm curious about something that you said. Would it be okay if I asked you a question about it? I'm allowing her space to say no. That might, I mean, she didn't reach out to me for coaching, but because she's a client, I did ask her. She said, yes, I would like you to ask me. And I did. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you asked that because I I wouldn't have thought of this without that question. That's the idea with coaching. So my question was, How is being self-deprecating serving her in this instance? And she explored that and was able to realize some patterning that was happening in her life that she tends to do that she would like to change. Now, this is not about directives. This is not saying, well, let me coach you for just a minute. There are multiple ways I can show up for people in my life, and they're not all me coaching them. Sometimes it's showing up as a friend and having advice, having an opinion. My husband has definitely said this to me before. He's like, I just want you to have an opinion about it. Don't ask me any questions. (laughs) I've had to tell him, well, normal people ask questions too, but you know. So being able to have an opinion about something, or even maybe it's identifying that I don't think that that would be helpful for me to share my opinion. Being able to share experience, strength, and hope. I've been in a similar situation. Here's the way that impacted me and owning that experience, not imposing that experience. And then asking questions, you know, putting my coach hat on and asking questions. All of these things are things that I can't tell you what you need or what you're looking for. Sometimes people just want to be heard. They don't want anything deeper than that of just being listened to and knowing that somebody is hearing them. That's powerful. So, It's presumptuous of me to make any kind of assumptions around the kind of support that someone wants in any given situation. So I always ask, I give them the choice. And choice is ultimately what is empowering versus force helping. Band-aids for change is another one. Just giving affirmations. There are a lot of people out there who say that they do one kind of coaching plus mindset coaching or plus life coaching. And so they've kind of added that on because they've done a lot of self-work and have a lot of affirmations that they really like. And it seems like a great add-on to what they're doing. Affirmations in general are not always helpful. I think words of affirmation can be really powerful, but If they are not connected to action, they won't change the way you are experiencing or showing up to a situation. So you need a combination of the thought as well as an awareness of the emotional impact that may trigger and intentional action. 
to create a holistic shift in changing the way that you are perceiving or experiencing a situation. Just saying an affirmation may make you feel better briefly, but it's not going to be a sustainable shift that it creates, or at least not a very quick one. It's, it, it would be much more long-term. Now, if there's an intention behind it of like, I'm going to say affirmations to myself in the mirror, and then I'm going to do something that is aligned with that affirmation, like, I love you to yourself in the mirror. Well, what does someone who loves themselves do? They check in and see where there's discomfort and stretch that, or they ask for support or whatever it is. You know, I have a whole episode on self-love. It's being able to take action then in alignment with that thought. So, I mean, this is my full life ownership process where we're talking about knowing the belief that you want to cultivate, the feeling that it will inspire and having this strategy that aligns with the person that you want to be, the difference that you want to make in the world, the way you want to experience life, the beliefs that you would have around that. And then you have your strategy built and then you take action and then you assess that action or inaction if that's the case. I mean, sometimes we have the strategy and a plan and you don't take action. You need a process to then assess what stopped you from taking action versus retrospectively beating yourself up, which is just going to drain your energy and perpetuate the belief system that is probably running in the background of your subconscious and creating the dynamics that you're currently experiencing. So you need a holistic approach when you're talking about actually creating change versus just a band-aid of, well, you just think this, just say this, and that will make it better, because that's not how that works. (laughs) And finally, when do you need a coach. Someone telling you, well, you need a coach is not exactly helpful because do you need a coach? Maybe. Depends on what you're looking for. (laughs) Depends on what you want. Depends on whether you're ready to make that kind of investment. A coach will help you do things faster than you might do on your own. For example, I was recently reminded of the Law of Unintended Consequences, which was introduced by sociologist Robert Merton, where he speculated that the five factors that cause unintended consequences are ignorance, misinterpreting the problem, short-term thinking when long-term thinking is called for, values that prohibit taking action, and a self-defeating prophecy. These are five things that coaches help with. So whether you're creating unintended consequences, which I will identify as they're not always things that you don't like. Sometimes they're things you do like that are unintended. But being able to develop awareness where you didn't realize maybe you didn't have knowledge Seeing a problem from multiple sides, maybe stepping outside of the problem and seeking solutions. Holistic thinking, not just short-term and long-term, but seeing both the trees and the forest and being able to make decisions that fit both ways of perceiving the situation. Engaging your values, knowing whether your values are conscious values and then maybe the action isn't aligned or fear-based values that are blocking the action that you want to take. So creating a shift in what your subconscious is feeding you. And then the self-defeating prophecy, which we've talked about of like that pattern that 
creates and recreates itself because of what you're showing up to and those subconscious belief systems that you have or maybe the society that you're functioning in that you've internalized things that are really problematic or, you know, there's there's a lot there. So that those are some of the things that coaches can help with of really getting clear and discerning and making conscious loving choices for yourself and doing that faster. Can you do it on your own? Yes, you can do it on your own. It may just take longer. So if you have the ability to make the kind of investment because time is something that you you want to engage and you want to do this work more intentionally and quickly, then yeah, hire a coach. We're great for that sort of stuff. <laughs> Finally, vetting a coach or any other support system is really important. As I mentioned at the beginning of this, there isn't a regulating body for coaching. But that said, even when there is a regulating body, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person is a good fit for you. So whether you are talking to a life coach, a business coach, a therapist, or any other kind of support person, making sure that they have some sort of backing for what they're doing, unless you're looking for someone who has experience And so, well, then it's making sure that they actually have the experience they say they have, right? So knowing what kind of backing, credentialing, or whatever background they have that fits what you're looking for, knowing their personality, is there a resonance in the way that they engage? Like, for example, I tend to be really nerdy. I like using analogies. I am a little bit of woo and a lot of science. Like, you want to know like does that does that fit like are you going to get the star wars references i don't know <laughs> so knowing is that a good fit for you and what's the process like does that fit for what you're looking for and what you are looking for support with like there are a lot of factors so giving yourself space to make a decision there's a reason people push making the decision right away is because when you feel the sense of possibility, you're more likely to take action towards that possibility. So perhaps it's making sure that you have some sort of accountability to stay connected to that possibility, but also being realistic and knowing that you will make the most loving decision for you, for where you're at. You're doing the best that you can with what you currently have. And Having someone who will trust you to be the expert of your life, even if the decision that you make is not the one that they would make. You don't want somebody else stepping in to be the expert of your life. You are not broken. So if you're looking for someone who is going to fix you or who wants to take over your decision-making ability because you don't feel like you have strong enough decision-making ability, then that's what you'll find. And um, and I'm probably not the gal for you. <laughs> But if you want someone who will help strengthen your ability to see choices, help strengthen your ability to make decisions and grow forward, even if that looks like failing forward sometimes or feels like failing forward sometimes, that will build that resiliency and that strength in yourself, that's what I'm here to do. And that's what I believe in as a coach is really giving yourself the space to make that decision and trusting yourself to make the decision. And so that is always going to be the foundation with which I engage any relationship. And personally, I think it's a red flag 
if you are talking to somebody who does not honor the space that you would like to take to make a decision. So those are my thoughts. I would love to hear yours. And if there is anything that you would like me to engage further in any future episodes, please reach out. Please DM me, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, send me an email, any of those ways. I'd love to hear from you. And if you are looking for support, I do have some spots open on my calendar. So feel free to grab one of those spots for you. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.